Hey, hey, hey. Crikey, that sounded corny AF. <laughs> Welcome to the Immigrant's Mother in Europe podcast. What's it like living in a foreign land? Raising kids in a culture foreign to you? Navigating the complexities of a new culture with no help? I'm Yara T. Thompson and I'll be sharing my world and experiences with you. Let's talk about um, today's episode, Parenting Pandemic Pregnancy. Um, yeah, <laughs> a lot to unpack. Um, what did we start with? Parenting. Um, like I mentioned, I have two kids, two boys, four and one. Um, and my parenting style is very different from their dad's. Um, Dane, I'm married to Dane, um, and um, Danish men are very, uh, Danish parents in general, are very laissez-faire when it comes to their parenting style. They are, um, they raise their kids like they're their friends, you know, they have conversations, they negotiate um, chores and bedtimes and you know tv time and all of that and african parents really know it's my way or the highway so i've had to learn how to combine both of them and i think my husband is also learning how to pick up um some of the strictness from me um yeah um it's 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 not challenging but it's a lot raising multicultural kids um, because you are raising and especially when you're raising them away from home because you don't want them to miss out on one or the other culture um, I have to consciously parent and consciously remind myself that they're getting a lot out of their Danish culture because they are being raised in Denmark so I have to I have to intentionally um, incorporate what I want them to pick from the Ghanaian way of life um, into our daily what we do on daily basis you know so they don't miss out um, yeah it's 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 not it's already hard being a parent um, trust me it's it's nothing like pictures it's it's really hard being a parent and then to have to parent intentionally um, you, you 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 need to like focus on that it's not something that just comes naturally you know um, I I think it's important to establish a daily routine with your kids and stick to it so that they know what to expect they're not confused it, it makes the whole journey easier I think for them and also for us as parents uh, makes the day bearable um, is it hard to parent um, kids when you are away from everything you know? Um, yeah. Um, is it hard to parent them when you basically have no support system apart from your spouse? Yeah, it is. Um, you don't get any breaks from your kids. You don't get any weekends away. You don't get any evenings away. You're all they have and they're all you have. Um, 24 7 you you don't take any time off they don't go to the grandparents to get spoiled they don't you don't get a date night <laughs> unless you're having it in your house at like 1 a.m um yeah it's hard but um it's worth it when when you know when you see their smiles it's 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 worth it 
You are listening to the Immigrant Mother in Europe podcast. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. Now back to the show. Um, I was in Ghana when it hit. Um, I was in Ghana from the end of January 2020 till the beginning of April 2020. And um, when it hit in Denmark um, in late February, early March, I was still in Ghana. Um, my husband wasn't sure. It, it was just so fast and furious. My husband wasn't so sure if he would be able to come because he was supposed to come to Ghana to spend some time with us for half um, a week and a half, I think. Um, but he managed, yeah, he was lucky that Ghana was not blacklisted, um, as part of the countries he could not travel to before his flight took off and that his flight wasn't cancelled. Um, so he was able to come, um, before it hit Ghana and when it did hit Ghana, it was slow, it was a slow wave because most of the actually majority of the early cases were all imported cases um we were on single digits for a long time before we got into double digits actually um and because we had already had experience with the whole ebola crisis um it made um getting ahead of the curve easier you had veronica buckets um Outside every establishment, you had to wash your hand with soap and water, um, wipe it, dry it. Some shops will even give you sanitizer after that before you could go in and shop, buy whatever you wanted to buy and come out. And then, you know, the cycle continued. Every shop you went into um, was like that. Some homes were like that. My house was like that because I had two kids under the age of um, four. You know, at that point, they were three and eight months and you were, you were not coming into my house with young children who tend to put everything in their mouths and um, not be germ-free. Um, that was not happening. Um, but at a point, um, when my husband was returning, um, I changed my older son's ticket so he could come back with his dad because I just felt like I could not deal with a pandemic and two kids on my own. Um, so yeah, so my son came back with his dad and you know a lot of businesses in Denmark had been scaled down some of them shut down most of them scaled down um, so my husband could work from home and so it was it was a bit manageable to deal with a toddler at home um, I don't even know why I still call him a toddler because he acts like he's older than me man <laughs> um, but yeah um, so yeah so then I stayed back with my then eight months old um, son so I stayed back with my youngest and every time we travel, because they're Dane and I'm not, I always sign them up at the, on the embassy's website that they're in the country. Um, I got calls every day asking if um, I was planning to stay and if I was gonna go back um, to Denmark um, because it wasn't safe to be away from Denmark during this time. Um, every country feels like their healthcare system is superior. Um, yes, granted. Um, I, I, I'm Ghanaian, but I would, I would, I mean, the Danish healthcare system is superior to the Ghanaian healthcare system. No two ways about that. Um, but at that point, Denmark was recording numbers in the hundreds and Ghana had 
five six cases so i felt safe i, I wasn't ready to go um, it took them calling me for like about a week before i decided okay fine let me just book a ticket on this repatriation flight with my baby and let's just go back to denmark so we did we came back on a special flight we self-isolated at home for 14 days um didn't see anybody didn't go anywhere i was too exhausted to go anywhere anyway <laughs> so um yeah so we stayed at home you know um our schools were shut so i basically had to teach my kids at home by myself um my degree comes in handy i guess um because i feel like idle time also makes you forget a lot of things but then it's i'm also a firm believer in learning through play so it's really easy to do that with younger kids as opposed to older kids um so it was a bit easy it's just finding the time in the day to do that in addition to you know keeping your house clean having you time uh taking a nap because taking care of two boys is no joke um some of those things fly out of the window you have to pick what's important and what's not important um you might feel everything is important but trust me when you have two boys not everything is important um so yeah so we did that um no summer trips this year because it's crazy out there so you know you have all of that time that you're spending with your kids and how to deal with um intentionally parenting at home with you know two boys you are listening to the immigrant's mother in europe podcast like what you hear so far make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now this podcast is made possible by listeners like you thank you for your support now back to the show I was constantly tired um my husband just chalked it down to the fact that you know i'm dealing with two very active boys active i mean their bedtime is at 9 p.m they go into bed they don't fall asleep until midnight that kind of active uh, <laughs> um yeah um decided to take three pregnancy tests before i was convinced that i was pregnant trust me I saw positive after positive after positive and I still thought I was negative so I called my doctor and she's like yeah you're pregnant but if you still want confirmation come in for a test a blood test I go in we do a test I'm pregnant <laughs> um, my reaction was just Yaira are you okay I was I because I'm a planner. I'm a planner down to the last period sign and um, no pun intended <laughs> full stop um, but um, I did not see this one coming because fine I, I, yeah okay I should have but I did not um, so then you know in Denmark you get the option do you want to keep it do you want to terminate uh, us keeping this so it's it's really hard to give a parent this decision to make about keeping a child or terminating the child um, especially when you're talking to someone who has dealt with loss infant loss and um, oh I said I was gonna make it through this video without crying 
um, and and yeah, um, I've suffered that um, a few years back. Um, so it's 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 a no-brainer. You're not you're not ready for three kids, but what are you gonna do? It's here. You're keeping it. You're not. There's no way you're terminating it. You know. Um, Let's take a moment. I'll be right back. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just look for Immigrant's Mother in Europe in the search box. Click. Okay, I really needed that moment. So, infant loss. Um, there are two different kinds, a miscarriage and a stillbirth. So a miscarriage is when you lose your child before the 20 week mark. And a stillbirth is when you lose your child after then. Um, I it, I had a really rough way of finding out that I had a miscarriage. I have really bad, um, let's just call it by layman's terms, morning sickness. Um, with my youngest child, I was sick the entire pregnancy, all nine months. Um, and with the child I lost, that was actually technically my second pregnancy. I, even up until the day I went for my first trimester scan to, you know, check if everything was okay. That's usually between 11 and 13 weeks in Denmark. I went exactly on the day I was 11 weeks no, I was 12 weeks actually, exactly the day I was 12 weeks pregnant. And you know, they check in, they check in, they check in, they can't hear a heartbeat. I start freaking out. After a few minutes, she's like, I'll be right back. She goes and calls her superior. She comes, she comes, she's like, I don't understand. So then, you know, in Denmark, for you to get a specialized doctor, there's something has to be really, really bad. Like, that's the amount of education and trust they give um their nurses like they're so trained let me put it that way they are so trained that you know your nurse is not just your average nurse so finally they call an ob in and she comes and she's like yeah your baby stopped growing a week ago i'm 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 lying there on the exam bed i'm like all I could do was cry because I couldn't give any reaction because I was just throwing up in the parking lot before I came into the building for my scan, you know? I, and because it was not my first pregnancy, I told my husband he didn't have to go to hospital with me. I had to drive to the specialist hospital 45 minutes away. That's the only place to do the scans at where I live. And so then I had to drive back home after hearing this news on my own with, you know, tears running down my eyes on a highway. Um, yeah, not the best conditions. I started thinking, like, it's only been 12 weeks. What could I have done wrong in those 12 weeks to have killed my baby? Because that's how I was, I was, I was, I, I, I couldn't think of the fact that the baby died i was thinking about it in terms of i killed my baby you know and um it was really hard it was rough it was like what could have happened like and 
so then it comes with the whole you know you have to schedule an appointment with your regular doctor you have to um, get spoken to about the steps of a DNC you have to book an appointment for one you have to go in get it done who um, have your follow-up you know after it's done a couple of weeks later have your follow-up to make sure everything is okay um, after surgery you know post-surgical um, appointments normal um, but in all of that I was like a zombie um, you know I did not really deal with it I was a full-time student a full-time mom to my firstborn I didn't give my t myself time to think about it to grief because I wouldn't have been able to be the parents that I had to be for my son if I was thinking about and dealing with that situation I'm very I can be very one track even though I'm really good at multitasking I can also be very one track and when tragedy hits I can be very very one track I just want to be in my feelings and feel my feelings or I just want to put it away in a box and not think about it at all until I have time to think about it you know one or the other um there's no middle ground with that for me um so it didn't hit me it well it hit obviously but I didn't let myself feel it you know i just went through the motions of my day you know wake my child up take him to school drive two hours to school have a full day of school drive two hours back dinner get my child ready for bed all of that you know so it was it was it was quite a lot on my plate and i did not want to add the guilt and the grief and all of that into the equation um, it really really hit me when I got pregnant with my youngest child I felt like such a shitty parent at that point because I'm like why do I deserve to have another child if I killed the one before that was my train of thought I know I didn't kill my child but it felt like that at that point I was not sure if I wanted to be pregnant I was not sure if I deserved to be pregnant um, for the longest time after the miscarriage, I did not take communion um, up until my I delivered my sec my second life child. Um, I never took communion. Like that guilt was just there. Um, my doctor got worried, um, had me evaluated. I had apparently sunk into a depression, and I didn't even realize it because. I have a history of it I've had it once before but it was so bad at that point that that was what I associated depression with and this time because I was functioning and going through my day I didn't think that you know there was anything wrong um, up until today I don't think I can say that I have dealt with my grief but I can't say that it's a bit easier for me to talk about right now than before um oh parenting in a pandemic whilst being pregnant jeez it's a lot to unpack um but a lot heavy very heavy for a first episode but i'm a mom blogger i'm a parenting blogger this is what i talk about um and if you stuck through this whole vlog 
I hope you come back. I promise I can talk about lighter, fun things. I promise. <laughs> um, please make sure that you check out my blog, www.immigrantsmotherineurope.com. And until next week, I'm Yaira T. Thompson. Ciao. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just look for Immigrant's Mother in Europe in the search box. Click. I feel so lucky.